year was 2012. Call Me Maybe was a thing. We all wish it wasn't, but it was. Aaron Thomas here once again with Jeff in the basement. Jeff, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. We got a lot to cover in this episode. Yeah, this is going to be one of the ones. Um, I Actually, I had this circled when we originally came up with this idea. This and another year I had circled as like years that were going to be really fun. I, I had was... two years picked, and I told you what they were. We've already done 1999. The other one was 2014. But this year... Aaron, <laughs> I did not know how much was going on with movies this year. Yeah, so much fun. I really only had a couple movies in mind when I had this one circled, but then as the research goes, as this think as, as a theme with this show, I mean, you just you forget how many awesome movies come on. Let's hit the rundown, man, because I got so much to get into. <laughs> I was just about to say, let's get right into it. The rundown, for those of you who don't know, the rundown is IMBD's top 20 grossing movies at the box office that year. Jeff, I think number one's pretty obvious, but do you have a guess? Oh, oh, I didn't even, oh. I'm unprepared. Uh, Dark Knight Rises. Mm. It's number two, but number one was the Avengers. Avengers. Yep. The uh, first Avengers movie, it looks puny when you compare it to the Avengers movies now, but $623 million at the box office. It was the biggest thing in the MCU universe. MC, MC, yeah, the MCU. And it was the culmination of so many movies, and it's the first time you got to see them all together. So it was kind of, this was what people were waiting for at that point. There's a reason that, um, spoiler alert, in Endgame, when they go back in time and they go to this movie, like where this part takes place, there's a reason that they show that scene again with all of them circled around and then the 360 shot. It's because it was iconic. It never happened before. And it's, I'm, I'm going to hold my Avengers stuff because I'm going to talk okay. about that movie a lot. But, all right. Um, number two is Dark Knight Rises, $448 million. For those of you who are not familiar, that is the third um Christopher Nolan Batman movie, the third and final one. That's uh, Tom Hardy as Bane and Anne Hathaway is a forgettable Catwoman. <laughs> I thought she played a good character. I mean, all of the characters that were in there were not like, there was no real throwaway character. Everybody served their purpose, I felt like. Yeah, I know. I just thought she just needed more screen time. Like, I didn't think uh, she got enough screen time. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think she's a throwaway character because she certainly helps. Um, greatly um build to the story particularly in the end but i just you know i was like i wanted to see her more like i felt like she should have helped batman break out of that prison like batman is the only you know he gets out by himself like i feel like that's when she sort of started to help him that's at least just what i would have done um number three uh at the box office that year 408 million the hunger games the very first Hunger Games movie. I've never seen any of the movie. Hunger I've Game seen movies. the first Hunger Games, and its premise. I mean, obviously, it's based off of the book series. The premise for this is just effed. Yeah, <laughs> like the concept of it. That's what I was gonna say. I remember reading the first book in high school. But memorable characters. Everyone in there. I mean, it's very. Once they get into like the main city, I can't remember a lot of the the names of everything. But when they get into the main city before the big battle and all that all the characters that are in there are just huge memorable people within that community uh my mom is really really into those movies every time they're on tv she always stops and watches them uh or puts them on and has them as background noise so i'm sure that there's a lot of people who are really into those movies and i know uh when i read the book in high school 
Um, it was uh, a book that uh, you had a couple different choices of books you could read over the summer, and that was one of the books that I read. And I remember when I gave the book report being surprised that so many other people had picked that book as well. I mean, of course, I didn't really read it. You know, I read like 50% of it, and then Spark noted the rest I of it. I think right after that movie came out, there was an increase in uh, bow and arrow sales. Oh, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> Girls sure. wanted to get and be in archery just because of that. I'm sure. This is uh, one that I think is probably going to be uh, near and dear to your heart, and uh, one we talk about a lot here in this episode. Number four at the box office in 2012, Skyfall, $304 million. This was... You haven't seen it, right? No, I have not. This was the best of the best as far as Bond films goes. I feel like this might be the quintessential Bond film. And to tie this to a later or a uh, previous episode that we did, the director of Skyfall is Sam Mendes, who also directed American Beauty. So here's a fun tidbit that I didn't realize, but I... I so I rewatched this last night because when, really? once I started looking at all of these movies, I was like, man, I haven't watched Skyfall in a while. I'm going to rewatch that. That's funny. So I started rewatching it, and I'm like, damn, this is a beautifully shot movie. Did Deacons do this? So I looked it up, Roger Deacons. So Roger Deacons and Sam Mendes did this movie together and then just did, what, 1917, 1917. that came out last year in, in yeah. 2019. Yeah. They blows probably, me away. It's such a you have to see if you just pick one of the Daniel Craig Bond films, that's the one you want to see. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I think it's uh, I think they have the uh, Bond movies on Hulu or something. Um, yeah, no, I'll I'll definitely check it out. I have. Uh, it's funny that you said that you watched this last night because I have two movies that I starred here. It was like I know that these are on one of the streaming platforms. I'm gonna watch these either later tonight or tomorrow <laughs> when I have some more free time. Uh number five at the box office in twenty twelve was The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey, three hundred and three million at the box office. Um I know a lot of people in my family love these uh Lord of the Rings and Hobbit movies. I've seen the Lord of the Rings movies, but I've never seen any of the Hobbit movies. I haven't seen the Hobbit movies. I've been told that you can probably skip them. But what's confusing is the Hobbit was a single book, correct? I think so. And they stretched it out over three movies because they were famous for doing these trilogies because of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And also the book's probably like a million pages long. Yeah, I remember reading it in middle school, and it was... (laughs) terrible to read as a middle schooler especially with a a made-up language where you have to learn all these names and places and maps and and all this stuff but it's entertaining as a a a visual yeah and it's one of those things that you're either into that or you're not it's like professional wrestling like you're you either really really like that or you really really don't like that (laughs) i remember one time it's real to me man yeah exactly I remember one time listening to my cousin go on and on and on about like the backstory of something that was in Lord of the Rings, but it really wasn't in Lord. I don't know. He it was it was important to him, and I liked the way he was telling the story. Uh, the um, extended versions of the original Lord of the Rings tri- trilogy is the it's you might as well just chalk it up to you're watching that for a week because there's just so much to it, and there's so much that went into those movies. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I really enjoy those Lord of the Rings movies. We'll talk about those, I'm sure, uh, 
when we get into those earlier 2000s episodes. Uh, number six at the box office in 2012, The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part 2, $292 million. Um, The I last know. of the series, right? Yeah, it is. I know that none of us have seen that. I have not. <laughs> number seven at the box office in 2012, $262 million. The Amazing Spider-Man, the first of the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. You ever seen that? I have. I've seen both of the... Garf- Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. I just recently watched Endgame again, um, just the other day, and it reminded me like Tom Holland really is the perfect Spider-Man because he was able to take like Tobey Maguire was a great um, Peter Parker, and he was a terrible Spider-Man, and it was vice versa for Andrew Garfield. He was a great Spider-Man, but he was way too cool and good looking to be Peter Parker. <laughs> Like, Peter Parker was not a supermodel, you know? But he, I do, that first Amazing Spider-Man movie, I really like that movie. They, Emma Stone and um, Andrew Garfield, obviously they were together at the time, so they had great chemistry on screen. And um, he, you know, like I said, he's a, he's a good uh, Spider-Man. If you lose respect for Andrew Garfield with these Spider-Man movies, and you're like, I don't think that he's a, that great of an actor, go watch 99 Homes. If, oh, yeah. That's Have you best. seen that? Oh, yeah. oh, dear Lord. I'm a huge Michael Shannon fan, too. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of his for some things. And then I started seeing him in, like, 99 Homes is probably my favorite performance of his. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another, uh, Nocturnal Animals is another fantastic movie that he plays a great part in. I haven't seen that. That but, one's uh, I heard good. good things about it. Yeah, I love 99 Homes. That was an awesome movie. That was a, it, it's tough watching there oh, certain parts. Yeah. Um, all right. So number seven at the box office that was Amazing Spider-Man. Number eight at the box office, our first uh, animated film, two hundred and thirty-seven million. Brave. I've never seen Brave. I've never seen it. Yeah, I've never seen it. But it's another one of those that kind of went under the radar. I guess it was just the time frame that I, I wasn't into like animated movies as much. A- apparently, bow and arrows were big in 2012 because <laughs> that's another bow and arrow movie. But um, you got Hawkeye. You yeah. got <laughs> oh yeah yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's three movies in the top ten where a bow and arrow plays a prominent role. Um, <laughs> I love that character's hair. Oh, yeah. Just the curly uh-huh. red hair. I just think that's adorable. Um, number nine at the box office, $218 million, Ted. Oh, yep. I love Seth Ted. Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. Uh, the dude, me and uh, my wife, my wife bought me tickets to go see him when he was on tour doing his, like, crooner thing. <laughs> and it was really was good. So it cool. was so What was hilarious is as a... Uh, an encore he did the theme to love boat and these old ladies lost their shit i'm not kidding like they got up and they're like love boat (laughs) oh my god those old ladies probably went to the grave like that was their greatest that was the best oh man that's so cool ted is a great movie i love that movie we'll talk about that one later too uh number 10 at the box office another a uh, another animated film madagascar 3 europe's most wanted 216 million at the box office at an earlier episode on this pod we talked about uh i think the original madagascar movie and we couldn't figure out who was in it other than chris rock and david trimmer and i've since remembered that it's ben stiller and wanda sykes ah yes wanda sykes plays the hippo and ben stiller is the lion i think this one was the one that was promoted heavily with the um circus afro circus afro i don't (laughs) (laughs) i just remember that in the first one the the monkeys all like they were 
keep it mo- moving, moving. <laughs> what was it? I like to move, move it, move it. it. Yeah, that was a, we like to move it. So I put a thing out on Instagram around that, I think it was around that time frame that I was like, I dare you to listen to that song and not sing along. Like, you can't say the words and then not sing it. And oh, yeah. Rob was like, he put up a post that he did it where he did it straight faced, and I was like, you mother. So I took his video and edited it so it sounded like he was singing <laughs> along to it. It's on my Instagram somewhere. That's funny. That's, uh, that's like any person who's from Baltimore and has been to at least one Orioles. Go on. Is anyone who's from Baltimore is an or- and is an Orioles fan, like, if Cotton Eye Joe comes on, you're going to sing that song. <laughs> um, that in every wedding ever. <laughs> number 11 at the box office, another animated movie, The Lorax, $214 million. I I haven't seen this. I told you, the Dr. Seuss, like, adaptation movies, I've not seen a whole lot of them. Yeah. I, uh, I've Pretty seen, sure Kim's seen it. I've seen The Grinch and the, the Cat in the Hat movie, and that's it. Um, yeah, and I think that you brought up a point here. I mean, you, 2012, I was a junior in high school. Um, hi. Oh, hi, honey. <laughs> By the way, it's not Wanda Sykes, it's J.B. Smith. Oh. <laughs> Correction. <laughs> My wife's joining us for a second. You know, go back to the uh, Madagascar. Or Remo, so Ma- Madagascar, Jada Pinkett Smith. Yes, not Wanda Sykes. Not Wanda Sykes. <laughs> Oh, I did. Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay, oh, that was it? Oh, I thought there was another. Wow, that was fun. That was fun. Um, yeah, but, uh, to go back to the point I was saying to you, so 2012, I was a junior in high school, so I, I wasn't watching a lot of these animated movies, and I just I haven't gone back and watched them since. Now, the next I was old, but I got nieces and nephews yeah. that are younger, so I still kept up with a lot of the stuff but i didn't see that one i have seen this one though number 12 189 million at the box office wreck it ralph yes yes yeah for all the right reasons yes yeah sarah silverman <laughs> and john c Riley are both great in that movie um number 13 at the box office in 2012 182 million lincoln i didn't see this i'm pretty sure you've seen it because I'm obsessed with Daniel. Yeah, that's the thing. Yes, yes. (laughs) I have seen this movie uh, multiple times, and I'm probably the only person other than Steven Spielberg who's seen this movie multiple times. (laughs) Because it's not like, I mean, there's certain parts of it that are really rewatchable, but there's also certain parts where it's dry. Yeah, you can fast forward through it. Um, We'll talk about that movie later. Uh, Number 14, at the box office, this one's pretty crazy, 179 million, Men in Black 3. Never seen it. I saw it. Is it terrible? And it's entertaining. Really? Yeah. They go back in time, right? Yes. There's a time travel element. There's a guy that can see the like every possible future um, that kind of helps them when they're back in time. So he's kind of like their Sherpa, their guide through time travel or whatever. Does Josh Brolin play the young Jay? Yes. Yeah. So I I remember the trailers. I'll have to watch it. It's a pretty, it's, I mean, it's not amazing or anything, but it's funny. I like Men in Black 2, so I probably would like yeah. Men in Black 3 just because I like, you know, that yeah. series. So and The beatboxing um, Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, is to- Tommy Lee Jones is in it, right? Because uh-huh. he's not in the second one. So he is, right? He's in the second one. He is? Yeah. They, brought they him bring back. him back. It's about oh, him bringing oh, his memory yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About bringing his memory back because he, um, 
he was working at the uh, at the um, the post office at the post office, and I remember all the they aliens had, work yeah. at the post office. That's why he felt so comfortable. Yeah, because they, <laughs> they had the one thing where he was throwing all the the alien was throwing all the uh, the mail in. Yeah, I totally forgot. What was I thinking of? It's different. Oh, because the chick's not in it because Rosario Dawson's in number yes. two. The chick who was supposed to be his partner at the end. They, I guess she didn't want to be in the second one. They do it with one. a throwaway line. They're yeah. like, oh, whatever happened to so-and-so? It was like, oh, we had to neuralize her. She couldn't hack it or something like that. So oh. they just completely dump that character that they developed throughout the entire first film. <laughs> Yeah, well, I couldn't hack it either, honestly. Um, number 15 at the box office in 2012, 162 million, Django Unchained. Yes. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, that's one we'll shelf because we'll be talking yeah, about we'll talk that about one it. a lot. Number 16 at the box office, another animated film, 161 million, Ice Age Continental Drift. I think that's the last one. It would make sense. No, I, not, I don't think I it's think the last one. I think there's been more. I think yeah. there's been like five or six or I don't know how many squirrel movies can you make because continental <laughs> drift I'm just like putting it piecing it together because it's ice age and if it's the continents are starting to drift the ice age probably is coming to an end sooner than later <laughs> you'd so, think that <laughs> yeah the um, the next one's probably like ice age there's no more ice no Pangea <laughs> no Pangea number 17 at the box office Snow White and the Huntsman 155 million I've seen bits and pieces of this and I always mean to stick around and watch the whole thing but I'm always I always end up doing I something. like the the deviations that Disney has done with some of their properties where they're kind of like we're gonna make a little bit of a darker version or focus on a villain or do something like that instead of like what they're doing now where they're making live action remakes of I mean how long are we gonna pump that well of doing a live action remake of an animated film it's until we until, run out of yeah, properties and until then, people stop wanting to watch them too right. I mean I mean you you choose the movies with your wallet so if people are going to see them then that's what they're going to continue to make yeah exactly because I really did not like that Lion King movie but everyone that I see or have talked to about it they love it well I saw the Will Smith um Aladdin and it was all right it was there was no change. That's the problem: is that you're telling the same exact story in the same exact way, and then taking away the parts that made the original one the best. I will tell you that that one for me was doomed from the start because I I grew up I was obsessed with Robin Williams. Oh, I love so, Robin like, Williams. Was, I'm a huge Robin Williams fan. But was, I think yeah. I kind of like set that aside and was like, I'm willing to give it a shot and see what this becomes. But yeah, Will Smith did. I think he tried his best to make it, it was his Will, own. It, it's Will Smith playing Will Smith like yeah. he does in everything that he's in. It's, <laughs> it's not, a, you know, the genie. It's Will Smith, blue Will Smith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's that movie that he does with his son, the M. Night Shyamalan movie? Oh. Where it's like, Will Smith and my son in space. <laughs> Uh, nobody saw that. No, no one did. Um, that's why no one realized that it was all a little piece of commentary that M. Night Shyamalan was making. Uh, he was talking about um, Scientology in that movie, apparently. Oh, so now, that's why it didn't... Conspiracy theory! Yeah, 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 exactly. Number 18 at the box office in 2012. We're getting to the end of the rundown here. $148 million. Uh Les Mis. Les Miserables. I never saw Les that. Miserables. Um, no, I didn't see it. That was the Hugh Jackman one. Yeah, right. Anne Hathaway. She actually won the uh, best uh, supporting actress. Mm -hmm. Or I, I can't remember. We'll, we'll talk about it later. I know. Um, but I know 
from this movie that Hugh Jackman, he was nominated for it, but he gets panned on the internet in terms of like, yeah, bro, you can't sing. Right. <laughs> but he did another one. Yep. Number 19. I've never seen it, so maybe he can sing. Number 19, Hotel Transylvania. I love this movie. 148 yeah. movie. It's a great or 148 movie. million, excuse yeah. me. It's a great movie. And finally, uh, number 20 at the box office, Taken 2, 139 million. I've only ever seen the first one. I've never seen any of the other Taken movies. So... Who gets taken in this one? The, the technically it's the dad and the mom get taken. So he gets taken in this one. Yeah, and it's it's almost comical, like how this all plays out. Like how bad of a father are you that you keep having family members getting kidnapped? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's become the joke, right? <laughs> All right, well, that's the rundown. Number 20 was uh, Taken 2 at $139 million. Number 1 was The Avengers at $623 million. So, you know, quite the theme here from number 1 to number 20. That's uh, been the theme here from all the shows that we've done is, you know, there's a large gap from number 1 to number 20. Mm-hmm. This is a good rundown, the best one we've had so far, because we had a special guest appearance from Kim, <laughs> and she let us know that Jada Pinkett Smith is in Madagascar. I gotta bring her in. She's the horror movie buff. Like, I see all the horror movies with her, but we need to get her in here to actually sit in on a year that's, like, got a lot of horror stuff. You, what you should do is you should you should replace me for that segment and let her host the horror show. <laughs> she... Um, she should, she yeah, she, she she could be able to carry that whole load herself because I'm I'm right there with you. I've we never seen do, any of those movies. This might have a spinoff where we just do a segment for horror movies because we we tend to look at all of the biggest movies yeah. and the you know all that stuff. But Kim's very knowledgeable when it comes to horror, so maybe we'll do a spinoff and just do years where she's kind of schooling us on stuff. Yeah, that would be smart because all those most of the horror movies like um, they don't make that much money. Like I in a later compared episode, to how much. The production costs usually horror movies do very well as far as oh, making yeah, yeah. money back. Yeah, well, in terms of making money mm-hmm. back, but I, I'm talking about like you're not you're rarely gonna see a horror movie a will horror never movie. be number one. Yeah, or for the year, even usually in the top ten to twenty, like it's just tough. Like, no. um, but if you're talking about gap between how much it costs to make a movie as opposed to how much oh, money you yeah. make back, horror movies do very well. Yeah, it's um, I can't remember what the year was that we talked about it, but it was um. The Blair Witch Project. That was one of the things we talked yep. about in that movie. Is it was just straight cash, homie. Yep. As Randy Moss would say. All right. Moving on from the rundown into the MVP. The MVP category, obviously, just like sports, most valuable player. My MVP. It was a tough one. There were so many really, really awesome. <laughs> I had a tough time with it, too. Yeah, there was so many really awesome performances this year. And... Um, I am one person who's just not afraid to let their biases take over. My MVP is Daniel Day Lewis. I knew you were gonna you, <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis. It's less. Uh, it's, it's it's honestly less about the performance in Lincoln and more about the fact that he won the Oscar and him winning the Oscar made him the first actor to win three Oscars for Best Actor and the sixth performer to win at least three acting Oscars. I, I which just, is a lot. It's yeah. a huge accomplishment. Exactly. We, we, we're talking about. When I get to on my when we get to honorable mentions, we'll talk about another actor who's been nominated four times, you know, mm-hmm. and just won his first one. But yeah, for me, I had to go to Daniel Day Lewis just because of the historical. Uh, and I'm sure that had I seen Lincoln, it may have persuaded me otherwise. 
but I don't know that it would have because there's another film that was just. I don't think it would have because it's less about his performance. Not that his performance yeah. isn't bad. It's it's more like if I'm picking my favorite Daniel Day Lewis movie, there's like three, four movies <laughs> I'm going to before I'm going to Lincoln. Like, um, but so what? Who's your MVP? My MVP is Mr. Bradley Cooper. That's because the Silver Linings Playbook, and I don't know if you've seen A Place Beyond the Pines. I have. Both of those movies are awesome. Fantastic performances by pretty much everybody in the movies, anyone involved in it. It's just fantastic. And I feel like doing those two movies coming out the same year with great dramatic performances, and and I, I just feel like he he knocked it out of the park he's on my honorable mention he was nominated for silver linings playbook he's also and got an executive producer credit on that so it was a good year for him financially as well (laughs) um uh but i just get right into it i love um the place behind the pines but i hate that ending Oh yeah, do you it's like dark. The, it's dark. No, no, I wanted it to be darker. I wanted him to, spoiler alert. <laughs> I wanted him to bust a cap in him right there. Uh, I wanted that kid to just let it all out. Yeah. Just you know, let. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's just a reflection on who I, I am as a person. But like, what I he love, had been through so much. What I love about that movie is that it, the gap between the time frame, is so large that it feels like you're watching two completely separate movies because mi- at the midpoint they change who the main characters are and it and it doesn't feel at any point like it's too much the kids that well they're teenagers probably maybe in their 20s but the the people <laughs> yeah. that play <laughs> yeah. the teenagers of their you know their kids um they mirror them like it, it, it like it, i don't know what they like how they did that but it mirrors them so well that they it feels like you're watching those characters when they're younger. You yeah, know everybody's I mean? job in that film, um, everybody on screen, behind the screen, in casting, everyone did a great job. The writing squad, that is such that's an awesome movie. Um I remember the first time I saw it, it's one of those movies where it's like you want everybody in the world to see it because you got to talk about it with everybody because you want to get everybody's opinion on it because you know it's one of those ones where it's like I know me telling that like I wanted the ending to be darker. I'm probably one of the only people who thinks that. You know, like there's probably like yeah, good, everyone else is like good for that kid. He did the right thing. I'm like fuck it. Um, that was one of those movies that I didn't go into it like even knowing what it was. I saw this movie. I saw Ryan Gosling's starting out in it, and like I'm like okay, I'm gonna sit down and watch this. It was on like HBO or something. And I started watching it, and I could not stop watching it from the moment I started. Same. I put it on. It was on Netflix at the time. And I, I'm i sure I'd seen Ryan Gosling and other things before then, before this, but this was the movie where I was like, yo, this guy's awesome. Yeah. All right, so I already said one of my honorable mentions was um, Bradley Cooper. Some of my other honorable mentions here, I have George Clooney. He was a producer on Argo. He became the third person to win uh, Oscars for both acting and producing. I put him down as an honorable mention just for that. That's a big deal. Joaquin Phoenix nominated for The Master, his second best actor nomination, his third overall. The Master was also his first film since 2010's I'm Still Here, which is the mockumentary he made with uh, Casey Affleck. I thought that was, what a way to come back. Mm -hmm. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman nominated for The Master. That was the last nomination he ever got in his career. But it wasn't his last movie. No, it was not. He uh, he had quite a few movies after this because he was in all of the Hunger Games movies. Um, 
Jennifer Lawrence won Best Actress for Silver Linings Playbook, also in the first Hunger Games movie. This was like, she had been in some movies before then, but this was really like, hey, I'm going to be here, and uh, my name's Jennifer Lawrence, and get ready for this. Anne Hathaway won Best Supporting Actress for Les Mis, also in Dark Knight Rises, and uh, Bradley Cooper, as I already said. He actually had um, four movies this year in total. The Words and Hit and Run, he was also in those as well. I'd never seen those, but... Hmm. Um, no, I haven't seen those either, but that's I, crazy to have, you know, when you hear four years, obviously there's, you know, production stuff that goes back and forth, but it's crazy to hear, uh, uh anyone doing four years, four movies within a year. I'm grabbing my phone because I have a little star next to Bradley Cooper's part on here. Cause I wanted to read the, um, his IMBD page. Cause he was on an incredible run here. Um, okay. Of movies from. Do you have that keyed up, or you want me? No, no. Go I ahead. got you something go else. Honorable mentions. Um, JGL, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm-hmm. He had four movies. Really? Yeah. He I know w- he had two big ones. He was in Dark Knight Rises. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. So that's three big ones yeah. right out there. Looper, Lincoln. Oh, he's in Lincoln too. And Premium Rush. Yep. Premium Rush was a big movie. I mean, it's it's one of those ones a lot of people haven't seen it, and I haven't seen it either. I have it in my movies that I want to see. I wouldn't call it a big movie. Well, I mean, in terms of, like, it was one of the top... I know it was one of the top 100, because I, when I do mm-hmm. the research in it, it, it was one of the top 100 movies at the box office that season. But it's just impressive that, you know, he had these parts in some pretty notable movies for the year, and then uh, Looper was... Uh, one of those innovative movies that awesome movie. I wasn't a fan of it. To really, be honest. I love that. But movie. It, I I understand the context of of what it means. But He's it was innovative. Got a great story about being in Lincoln. I totally forgot about the he's in that movie. <laughs> he's got a great story about being in that movie about how he met Daniel Day-Lewis twice. He's like, I met him as Lincoln, and then at the rap party, he introduced me as Daniel Day-Lewis. He's like, hi, my name's Daniel Day-Lewis. Like, Jesus, that guy's nuts. What's it must be like living with that guy? All right, so Joseph Gordon-Levitt, do you have any other honorable mentions? Um, That was the only one that I had on my list. Okay, so I have Bradley Cooper's IMBD page up here. In 2010, he was in the A-Team. In 2011, he was in Limitless, The Hangover Part 2. And now we're into 2012. The Words, Hit and Run, Place Behind the Pines, Silver Linings Playbook, 2013, Hangover Part 3, American Hustle, 2014, Guardians of the Galaxy, American <laughs> Sniper. <laughs> like, he just, this dude went on a three, four-year run yeah. where he was just like, show me the money. Like it's It's funny how that works, and you wonder how much of that is the agent, like, Let's hit while the iron's hot, buddy. <laughs> if you're not doing it, somebody's fucking up. Um, okay, so we did MVP, and now we are on to Rookie of the Year. I'm interested to hear what you say. Seth MacFarlane. Really? He made his director debut in TED. Uh-huh. It was a really, really tough um, choice here. Rookie of the Year, I think, is going to be the toughest award every time because wanted to hell of a lot of research yeah. to figure out what well, actor was in their first I usually movie. try yeah I usually try to find somebody that this is the the movie that kind of popped them yeah I know, probably should have looked public, at it that way into the public eye um because there's oftentimes you'll see they're in a bunch of stuff but it's like TV shows that are forgettable or bit parts in things, but then when they finally get this role that's like either a supporting actor or uh, or a, a full-on main lead, then it kind of brings them to where they are stardom or whatever you want to call it. But 
the guy, and I don't know if you've even seen this movie or even know what this movie is, that I chose is uh, Oliver Cooper hmm. no. in Project X. Oh, I've seen the movie, but I've okay, never... Okay, the guy that was... plays Costa. He starts the movie out. He's the friend. He's kind I, of like honestly, a, I mean, I... He wears a sweater vest. He's kind of a dick. Okay, yeah, 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 that yeah. guy. Um, he... Uh, it, it was his uh, first, like, huge role. He had... Like I said, he had been in a bunch of stuff before that. Um, but he's... I think he's a great comedic talent. He's got great timing. Great comedic timing. Um, he's got seven movies... Currently in some level of production, according to his IMDb page, he is working his ass off right now. And he was in um, Mind Hunter. He played a bit, uh, uh, one of the serial killers in Mind Hunter. Oh, really? Yeah. I like that show. So look him up. You'll be surprised to find some information about him and and some movies and stuff that he's been in. He's really funny. He was in Runner Runner with uh, uh, Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've, have yeah. you seen that. Yeah, that's a good movie. That's yeah. the. Um gambling movie where oh, okay. it's online gambling i had it i was thinking okay. of a different movie i was it's, thinking of that time movie where you run out of time no that's in time oh in yep. time okay yeah runner runner uh justin timberlake he uh is like a statistician and he figures out that he's being gamed by a, a online gaming thing and he goes to confront the guy which is played by ben affleck and then he offers him a job, and then it just goes south from there. <laughs> huh. I'll have to check that out. That sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah, I had Seth MacFarlane just because I'm sure that there was a lot. I don't remember like what the buzz around Ted was like when it was first coming out, but I imagine like the Family Guy dude is yeah. making a movie about a talking first teddy bear. Theatrical release. Yeah, I'm sure that there was a lot of um, question about that. Uh, honorable mentions here for Rookie of the Year. I have Josh Whedon. Uh, He's the director of The Avengers. Technically not a rookie. He had directed one other movie before then, but I think that's pretty insane that your second director credit is The Avengers. Right. Like, now we know what he did after that, so <laughs> we're going to keep on moving. Josh Trank, Trank, excuse me, Chronicle. It was his director, uh, directorial debut. Um, you never was, saw that? What was Chronicle? It's like kind of a um, teenager superhero movie. Wait, they get I powers, movie. and yeah. one of them starts That's using. It's also them. got uh, Michael B. Jordan in mm-hmm. it, and God, what the heck? Yeah, I do know this movie. So I thought it was a pretty good movie because oh, it's, it's awesome almost like movie. a found footage type thing. Yep. super cool movie. So I, so I saw that, and that's his directorial debut. So his first director job. He followed that up with Fantastic Four, and then he <laughs> took a five year hiatus. <laughs> And his next movie's coming out this year. He's got Tom Hardy's Al Capone movie, Fonzo. What a, what a turnaround. He takes a five-year hiatus, and then he's doing a Tom Hardy movie. Like, he's pulling some strings over there. <laughs> he's like, I know I really fucked that one last one up, but... I'm looking for, on Chronicle, the main kid, Dane DeHaan. And I'm trying to figure out when his pop moment was because I feel like that was the first thing I remember really seeing him in. Isn't and, that the uh yeah if you've plays, seen a cure for wellness he's the main guy in a cure for wellness. Yeah and he also is Harry Osborne in the amazing Spider Man movies. That too. Um but I feel like oh he was in Lincoln as well. <laughs> he was not in that he movie he had a big part in Lincoln. <laughs> Who's not in that movie? <laughs> I know this guy that I went to uh, 
broadcasting school with, he told me his dad was an extra in that movie. I don't know if I believe that or not, but now, so we we had the 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 um not MVP but uh rookie whatever rookie of the year and and also MVP. Good lord! So he was in Chronicle in 2012. He was in a movie called Jack and Diane in 2012. He was in Lawless. I forgot he was in Lawless in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, the Place Beyond the Pines in 2012, and Lincoln in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> this dude I did not realize he was checks in that early many movies. on. That's so cool. Oh, learning on the fly here. <laughs> All right, so that's Rookie of the Year. Whew, wow. Rookie of the Year goes to that kid. <laughs> Dane Dunn. Manager of the Year slash Director of the Year. Um, Man, this one was... <laughs> This one is really tough. I I went with Quentin Tarantino for Django Unchained, but like I mean, there's a bunch of movies that you could go with. I I really wanted to put Josh Whedon for the Avengers, but I was like, I don't love that movie because of him. Like, right. no disrespect. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. the fanfare of of what Marvel created. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I had to go Tarantino with Django, but um, just to run off, you know, some of the other ones that I was struggling with: Catherine Bigelow, Zero Dark Thirty, Ben Affleck had Argo that year. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, th- those are just some of the other ones that I was tossing around. The one that I picked was Sam Mendes for Skyfall. Just that marriage of Mendez and Roger Deakins, it, I'm telling you, it's just a beautifully shot movie. There's a uh, fight scene that happens in a high rise with in Japan with these uh, advertisements that are colored lights that are going on the glass, uh, and it's all glass room. And just the way that that's lit, the way that it's shot, the, the tension that's built up in that scene, it's just that scene alone. You could just watch that and be like, okay, I'm, that's, I'm sold. All right, I'm going to check that movie out tomorrow. I got some free time after work tomorrow. I'm going to check it out. All right, uh, moving on, moving on, moving on into the... uh, Or did you... I'm sorry, did you have some honorable mentions for uh, director of the year? No. Okay. I did not. Personal favorites? The Avengers. I had to go with The Avengers. It's my favorite movie. I, you know, I love... We'll get to the honorable mentions in a moment. There's a lot of movies that came out this year that I really love, but I just... It doesn't matter what point of the movie it's on. I could, if the Avengers is on, I'm gonna sit down and watch it. I just, I love that movie. It's a very rewatchable. I mean, almost all of the MCU films yeah. are rewatchable films. Um, but a movie that I just cannot get out of my mind and and not not watch is Silver Linings Playbook. I there's something about that movie that I just. I keep going back to it, and every time that I watch it, there's a little something that I take away from it that I didn't see before, or just subtle movements that I'm like, hmm, I wonder why they chose to do it that way. Like, just simple things that I, I don't know, it feels like a masterclass in filmmaking to me. Yeah, it's an awesome movie. It's an awesome movie. It's one of those, um, I remember I was dating a girl, um, not at the time that it came out, but the first, the when I first saw it, I was dating this girl, and we both really really liked the movie it was the first time we had both seen it and after that we just went on a binge of movies we were like oh wow we both really like like serious movies like this and then we just watched a million movies like that together so you know i remember that movie fondly um probably because of the movie and probably just because of that time right um honorable mentions from that year (laughs) um 
every other movie that came out that year. <laughs> yeah, there's just so many. I mean, a lot of some of them we've already talked about. The Place Behind the Pines, we already kind of deep dived on that. The Master was an incredible movie. I could sit here and talk about that for hours. Paul Thomas Anderson, Joaquin Phoenix, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Amy Adams. I mean, just stacked movie. Awesome, incredible. End of Watch is an awesome movie. Yes. I really love that movie. Uh, Looper, we talked about that one. You said you weren't a fan. I like that movie, but I like any, like, you could throw time travel in it, and I'm going to be interested yeah. just because I like that stuff. Um, Mud is a Ooh. awesome movie. Ooh. And I feel like that one, for a lot of people, flew under the radar. Oh, and, yeah. And the kids yeah. in that movie blew me out of the water, man. Yeah, when you can get a good, we talked about this in an older episode as well because we talked about the sixth sense. When you can get a good performance out of a kid, I mean, it, it makes all the difference in the world in a movie because it's just that much more believable. Um, here's my two biggest honorable mentions here: Flight. Yes, that's a Washington fantastic movie. Oh, that incredible movie, movie is pretty much for anybody who hasn't seen it. It's the story of Sully. If Sully were a drunk. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, so when I saw that movie, and it was around this time, I think I saw it maybe a year or two after it came out. I was, um, you know, my friends and I, we, we were those kids. Like, we thought, like, drugs were cool. So, like, that whole scene with John Goodman when he comes in, and he's like, she looked Cocoa Puff. You know, that, <laughs> we we talked like that for months after that. I mean, we love. <laughs> fucking amateur hour you know like, <laughs> don't pants off the fucking merch bro you know? um and that another incredibly quotable movie an incredibly rewatchable movie django unchained django yeah that's another almost every tarantino movie i go back and rewatch for the same reasons that i like would rewatch silver linings playbook because they're master classes and how to make a good film yeah and, and the performances hilarious excessive use of the n-word and the F word. Just so <laughs> To the man with the exceptional beard. <laughs> I won't do the next one. Yeah, I don't think you're allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, God, I just, that's, it's another one. Actually, that's, um, one of those movies I watched at, the, at that time with that girl. So it's, um, yeah, it's. Love it, that movie. Yeah, it's incredible. Highly quotable, but it's, there's just so many great scenes. The dinner scene. That scene goes on forever, and you don't even realize it. Yep, because it's it it has a couple twists and turns, and then at a certain point, that energy just ramps up, and you're like, "All right, we're on." That tension, you know, that, like, that building that he's the master of it. He yeah, builds that tension like nobody's business, and stretches it like a rubber band until it snaps, and then uh, yeah, it's so much fun. Um, another movie we did 1999 on an earlier episode. Will Smith was in the talks for Neo. Will Smith was in the talks to be Django as well, but he turned it down because he didn't feel that Django was the star of the movie, and I think I speak for everyone when I say thank you, Will Smith. Yep. Um, do you have some honorable mentions that you'd like to share from um, personal favorites of 2012? No. Yeah, I mean, you named Django. That was my only other personal favorite for that year. I mean, there's a lot of great movies, but if I had to name just two, it'd be Silver Linings Playbook and Django. All right, comedies of 2012. Um, my favorite comedy. This is a tough year. I, you know, most of the comedies from this year, I, I found I found myself putting in the guilty pleasures category. So, you know, just 
on the regular side, it's it's kind of bare, but uh, number one is Ted. Dude, I had such a tough time with this. Yeah. I wrote down like 15 movies and I'm like, this is too much. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. I wrote down a lot and I was like, I'm going to narrow it down to just the top five and then I'll list a bunch of honorable mentions. Yeah, I guess I do have a lot, but they're just in the guilty pleasures point because I was thinking to myself, like, are these really good movies or do I just like them because I'm an idiot and I saw them at a certain the point? It's subjective. And yeah. I feel like if it's making you laugh more than it's making you go, eh, then yeah, that's then a good, good comedy right? movie. Yeah. So. Uh, it's a little bit different with comedy. Yeah. All right. So what's yours? So, uh, running down the list, five, Project X. It's just a, the party that it, you wish you could have in high school that just destroys an entire neighborhood. Like, who doesn't want to go back to high school and have that party? It's oh, yeah. so awesome. Um, four, Ted. Three, Twenty One Jump Street. Highly quotable. Absolutely hilarious. The dynamic between the two mains in that is, you wouldn't think they would ever be in a movie together. Channing Tatum and um, uh, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Who would put them in a movie together? No. Um, two. Wanderlust. I've I think I've seen that. I've seen that movie six hundred thousand times, and I don't know why. It's just funny. The premise of the movie is that they live in New York. It's Paul Rudd and um, God, I can't think of her name. But anyway, they live in New York and end up lose, both losing their jobs. So they have to move to Georgia to live with his with Paul Rudd's brother. Um, and his brother's a dick. So they're like, we're gonna there's this bed and breakfast that's near there that they end up moving to and living with this like hippie cult or whatever. Oh, and it's dude, it's it's just damn funny. There's a lot of people in that movie too. Oh sure, it'll make me laugh. That sounds funny. And then I'll check it out. number one ended up being This is 40. Hmm. And Wow. Really? I, yeah. I don't know. I got a hard on for Paul Rudd. <laughs> I mean, I thought that movie was funny, but I didn't. Maybe it's me getting older. Like, I, I, I having a child now, like, yeah. I think certain things in that movie maybe resonate a little bit deeper. Um, maybe. That's interesting. And then wow, the, I'm so surprised the, by that. The relation of like him being in the music business because I was in a band and yeah. you know, kind of like I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of mirrorings to things in my life that maybe it's like I can poke fun at myself by watching that movie. I'm gonna have to watch that again because I remember watching it and thinking that the parts that were funny were really funny, but I remember thinking at the time that it was like an over the top Apatow movie because all of his movies are like well, it's always his you wife, know, like, and it's always his kids. And and I mean, like, <laughs> all right, we're an hour into the movie. Here's where he starts to learn the lesson. You know, like it's, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Those you need a form. Yeah. Every movie has a formula, but like his formula is very defined. Yeah. And um, I just, I guess I maybe I just grew tired of it at that time. So I'll have to watch that one again. Um, so my honorable mentions, one of them you already named, uh, Project X. Uh, one of them I had in my uh, on, or in my guilty pleasures, Twenty One Jump Street. I guess I should be more proud of that one. Yeah. Um, Seven Psychopaths is my last one in See, the honorable mentions. Oh, super yeah. funny movie. You got to check that. That out. was on. I think that was on a, a list of stuff that I wanted to watch on uh, Netflix at one time, and it just. Eventually, it got off of there, and then yeah. I forgot about the movie. So, yeah, it's an awesome movie. You gotta check it out. I won't spoil it too much. Is that all your honorable? 
Yeah, mentions. the rest of my um, rest of my comedies are in my uh, guilty pleasures, so I'll save well, those. I'm doing honorable mentions, even if they are guilty pleasures, because <laughs> I love these movies. The campaign. That's in my guilty okay. pleasures. I love that movie. When he punches the now, baby, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Are we going to talk about that iron-like jaw? Of that, that baby. baby. <laughs> oh, that, baby. We gonna... that baby took that punch. <laughs> oh, man. Can't, can't, even, can't even use your hand. Um, this is a comedy, drama, sci-fi, I guess you want to call it. Um, seeking a friend for the end of the world. Never seen that. It's... Basically, the, they start the movie with a radio broadcast that all hope for saving the world. There's an asteroid. It's coming. They can't do anything about it. Everyone's going to die. So, like, they had sent a, a spaceship or something to go take care of it. It failed. <laughs> and then they basically, like, he's sitting there in the car. It's uh, Steve Carell sitting there in the car with his wife. And it's his actual wife um, is in the film with him. But for, like... 30 seconds because they hear the radio broadcast and he's like uh and then she opens the door of the car and runs and you never see her for the rest of the film that's <laughs> hilarious that poor guy and so it's basically like what would you do if you knew you only had a couple weeks to live and the whole world was gonna end like it's a very interesting dynamic because a lot of people still continue to go to work some people are like f it i'm gonna go surfing all day um some people are like i'm gonna try every drug known to man like she, I just can't get over the fact that she just ran. Like, what was going through her mind? That's so mean. She just rolls out. It's so mean. Um, what else do I have? Uh, see, uh, American Reunion. Never saw that. So, American Pie. It's they had all went off, and it's it's the class reunion finally. <laughs> so, I think it's you know ten year class reunion or whatever it ends up being, and um. They all have, you know, significant others. They have, like, children. They've grown up. They've got jobs and all all that stuff. Yeah. I think it's everybody. I think maybe one main character was missing. Huh. Um, Or they make a cameo in there briefly in the movie. But um, it's Who would have known that they got all those movies out of that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of It's interesting, but if I remember correctly, there are some pretty disgusting parts in it. Oh, of course. It's American Pie. Yeah. Um, And then... What are we doing here? <laughs> Honorable mentions for um, comedy. Comedy, okay. And you just did American Reunion. Pitch Perfect. Never said that. That's uh, that is borderline guilty pleasure. It's funny and borderline guilty pleasure. It's, it's a singing movie. I I don't know. I say that I hate musicals, but I'll be damned if I don't like a lot of musicals. Oh, I love musicals. <laughs> um, and then this movie you've probably never heard of called Butter. No. Never heard of it. So, Butter, back in the day when I had a Facebook, uh, YouTube page uh, that we did kind of like some movie review stuff on, we would pick a movie that kind of went under the radar, and it was on Netflix. We went in blind and just kind of picked a movie. Everyone watched it, and then we did reviews. This is one of those movies that we did a review on because I looked at the cast and was like – why have I not heard of this film? Because it's got Olivia Wilde, Jennifer Garner, Ty Burrell, um, Alicia Silverstone, Hugh Jackman, uh, uh, Kristen Schaal, Rob Corddry, uh, Phyllis Smith. It's got a ton of mm. people in it. Wow. Um, and the concept for the movie is probably what turned people away from not seeing it because it's about a butter sculpting competition. <laughs> 
as stupid as that sounds. Um, but basically, the main couple in the family, which is um, a butter sculpting comedy, is, <laughs> is uh, Alicia Silverstone and uh, Rob Corddry. They adopt a young black girl, and she is trying to like kind of find her way in the world. And she finds out about this butter sculpting competition and wants to do it. <laughs> and so she joins the competition and there's like some back and forth between her and um uh Jennifer Garner uh and Olivia Wilde plays this uh stripper who oh, also God. hooks on the side and and causes some family drama with one of the other characters it's, there's a lot to this movie and it's really funny I'll have to check it out yeah. that sounds funny watch you intrigued butter. me watch butter we will watch it I will at least I can't speak for everyone else. Watch the movie, damn it. <laughs> action thriller. Favorite action thriller from 2012, Avengers. I already uh, you know, talked about uh, that. That, that uh, falls into the action category. Some of my honorable mentions for that, uh, Dark Knight Rises, The Amazing Spider-Man, Dread, and Argo. So lots of superhero movies in there, but Dread. You guys haven't seen that one. It's an awesome movie. I haven't movie. seen it. It is... Um, I've heard really good things. Though. Yeah, it's the reboot. I mean, I, I I'm sure they're they probably it, thought there I was going to be sequels. It's like visually, oh, it's really awesome. stunning. Yeah, and it kicks so much ass, so much ass, so much. I picked uh, <laughs> Skyfall for best action. Yeah, I figured you were going. And there. then I, I had to honorable mention of Avengers just because of the significance of Avengers, but we've already kind of covered yeah. a lot of Avengers stuff. And um, had to mention Hunger Games. I'm not sure where it like that movie actually fits as far as like genre, but I would guess it would fit action drama. That's probably something. what it's it's listed as in IMBD. But that was a huge huge film for that year. So and then of course I mean The Dark Knight Rises. I don't feel like we talked about that a lot. Um, it is. I really. I feel like I'm a weirdo with that movie. It's my least favorite of all the Nolan Batman movies. A lot of people do that. A lot really? of people say that. Yeah, I feel you're like not a lot of minority for that. I thought I thought I was because I feel like most people really like that movie. I, I don't dislike it at all. I just the the first two are are just I just like them better. I, I like Razagul. I like the background story of how he becomes Batman, and then of course you have the Joker. I in love the Dark Knight. The Batman character arc in that movie in particular because it's. It's the culmination of the three films of the the you know wounded warrior uh, giving up the thing that kind of makes him him and then coming back and then having it taken away from him because he thought he was ready and was not and then ultimately saving the day and then releasing himself from that. So it, I feel like that movie was a, a really good metaphor for what it means to be a hero. Also, it got caught in the trap of guarantee you that's not what he had planned. You know, like <laughs> he had no idea Heath Ledger was just going to die. You know, yeah, like right. there's no way he he had all that planned out and he had to, uh, you know, re, uh, reshuffle the deck after that. And he did a great job. When we talked about quotable movies, that one's super quotable. I feel like everyone was doing Tom Hardy Bane voice for years after that. I right? did YouTube videos of... Um, teenage Bane Diary oh, God. in high school and they were terrible but at the time I thought they were hilarious <laughs> we always do alright do your um, so your favorite action was um, Skyfall Skyfall yeah and um, 
Now moving on to dramas, favorite drama from 2012. Mine was The Master. I haven't seen The Master. And I know a lot of the hype around it. I know a lot about it. Um, there's been like scene study stuff that has come out about that movie. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen um, some of them with Phil, him and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Right. Yeah. But I haven't I haven't actually seen the full movie. But. I fantasize about that movie all the time in terms of like what those two must have been like headed getting onto the set Not and like sure. the tension around those two and like everyone like you know the guy holding the boom mic's like fuck <laughs> holy shit I might you die know? today yeah, like, <laughs> you know, just oh man just two warriors going <laughs> bat going to battle your favorite drama from 2012 Silver Linings Playbook yeah it's an awesome movie I have it it's my number one um, honorable mention listed here I some of my other honorable mentions I have is Zero Dark Thirty and uh, Killing Them Softly, which is a Brad Pitt movie that's really awesome. I had honorable mentions of End of Watch, which we already kind of covered. I mean, that was another, like, almost found footage movie, too. The only thing that I didn't care for was the uh, the villain characters. Every other word was the F word. It, was, it wasn't even, like, adding anything to anything as far as, like, character work or dialogue or anything like that. No, he's like, it, we got it, it was our like, rating, so let's take care of it. it. It was literally like they said, ad-lib this, just say the F word a lot. And <laughs> that's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, but everything else was just fantastic. Yeah, it's an awesome movie. Um, Lawless, I thought that was a great film as well. That uh, the story of the actual dude, like the fact that he had his, his throat cut and was shot a bunch of times and lived through all that and then ended up. Uh, dying by like natural causes pretty much another Tom Hardy <laughs> movie um Argo and we already talked about Flight so yeah that was um yeah I, I left a lot of, of of movies off of that honorable mentions because I just knew that we were movies that we had already talked so about much, like so much you know and that's a common theme here in this show is that the dramas really run everything you well, don't everything think everything overlaps everything too because when you start talking about best films, uh, there's stuff that fits in multiple categories because sometimes oh, there's yeah. comedy dramas that are clearly comedy dramas, and it's hard to decide which one you want to throw that in. And I also think with the way that the Oscars is set up to where um, that happens the following year, like whatever movie wins for best picture, like if it is a great movie and it's not like some art house movie that no one really saw, if it's a great movie, that's the movie that becomes the movie of that year. Like you forget like the four other pictures that were nominated for yeah. best picture. Or the 30 other comedies that you saw in that year that you loved. <laughs> yeah, that weren't the hangover. Like yeah. exactly. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, moving right along, moving right along. Animated movie of the year. This one is really tough. There's a lot of really awesome animated movies that came out this year. Um, Frank and Weenie and Paranorman were the two that I had circled. I really and enjoyed those movies. My wife would probably agree with you on both of those, um, but I picked Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, I love Wreck-It Ralph, and that was tough. That's how you do a a, a, a video game movie. Yeah. It's very Super fun. awesome. Frank and Weenie, I probably would just have to put number one just because it has the dog. You know, yeah. like, I yeah. love dogs. Yeah. Um, some of my honorable mentions, I have Justice League Doom. That was a straight-to-DVD uh, movie. It's one of the best DC movies that they did. DC does a lot of those animated movies. Mm -hmm. It's based on Justice League Tower of Babel storyline, where Batman's hidden records are stolen and used against the Justice League. So that's, like, one of the more famous 
uh, storyline um, storylines in uh, Justice League was an awesome movie. Hotel Transylvania was another honorable mention. Oh yeah, super mm-hmm. fun movie. Um, Jeff, it is time to play. Can you guess that movie? Oh boy, coming right on. A fleet of ships is forced to do battle with an armada of unknown origin in order to discover and thwart their destructive goals. What is that movie? This wasn't Battleship, was it? <laughs> it was. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, I mean, it's such a, like, that game is fun, but you have to, like, I have kind of still have to Fucking pick. Fucking Hasbro, why are you making movies? <laughs> well, I mean, the, um, the commercial failure of that movie made them, uh, press pause on their sorry movie that they were in the middle of making. <laughs> this is the silliest shit Just ever. Say sorry. <laughs> we got we got what's the one where you where you press the thing in the middle? Trouble. Trouble. We got a trouble movie coming. <laughs> Go back to the beginning, damn it. <laughs> all right. You start watching the movie, you get about halfway through and you gotta go all the way back to the beginning. We rewind that shit. <laughs> it's the worst movie. <laughs> That's so funny because I remember playing Trouble with an ex-girlfriend and we just pulled out the board games that I had and we were playing that and we were like, how is this fun? Like, <laughs> I was like, I guess when you were a kid, you had other people to play with. So I think it was, like, it was just kids wanted to hit the, the bubble. And That's also, all it was. Yeah, it was a like competition too as a kid. It means more. Um, all right, movies you haven't seen that you want to from this year? The Master. Life of Pi. Lincoln, Moonrise Kingdom, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Moonrise Kingdom is awesome. I, I'm i aware. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, I've only seen it once, but it stands out. And um, Life of Pi was one of those movies that I was on the fence about, but because uh, so many people had talked about it in in mass and about, about how great that movie is. And then the behind the scenes of, of the green screen stuff and the, the, what was it? A tiger or a lion? Or, it's a tiger. Yeah. Um, it seemed very intriguing to me, but yeah, I it looks interesting. It. I'm sure visually it's awesome. Yeah. I remember, um, writing a book report on that book, even though I didn't read it. Um, Ang Lee directed it, so I'm sure it's visually yeah. awesome. Ang Lee, he knows what he's doing. He's the same guy who did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Penis. Right. What? <laughs> um, Skyfall is a movie that I have listed number one here in terms of movies that I haven't seen that I'd like to from this year. Men in Black 3, um, Premium Rush, Joseph Three Names, Bike Messenger movie. We already talked about that one. Uh, <laughs> the Raven, it takes place in Baltimore. I learned oh. that. Don't when I was uh, yeah, neither do I. I don't. I just saw it said the Raven, and then it said Edgar Allan Poe has uh, Edgar something about Edgar Allan Poe teams with a uh, writer to make sure, or teams with a, a um, detective to make sure that his stories don't become true. Like someone oh. was actually killing people the way he did in the story. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I know it sounded like an interesting movie. Um, I'm gonna mess this one up all the way. I know Arbitrage, Arbitrage. It's a Richard Gere hedge fund owner movie. I've had it in my queue on Hulu, and I've started it twice. And let me see the spelling on this. Let yeah. me see this. Where is this? Where? Where am I? There. Arbitrage. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to yeah, pronounce that. That was a little bit. You sounded more intelligent than Arbitrage. I did. It's a uh, Richard Gere movie where he's a crooked hedge fund owner, and I've started it twice on Hulu. 
And but I've started it at the wrong time where it's like I don't I don't have enough time to get invested in this or I'm too tired to get invested in it. Arbitrage. Arbitrage. There we go. Arbitrage. <laughs> Thank you, Google. Oh, that's so weird. Here's a movie that um, I discovered during my uh, research for the show that I think you'll be interested in. Hitchcock. Anthony Hip. Excuse me. Anthony Hopkins plays Hitchcock in a movie about his relationship with his wife while he was filming Psycho. Ooh. Doesn't that sound interesting? Ooh. You have me at Anthony Hopkins playing Alfred Hitchcock. Ooh. And uh, the last one is The Odd Life of Timothy Green. It's a Jennifer Gardner and Joel Edgerton movie. I saw on IMBD that uh, had a really interesting bio line. It's a, a childrenless couple. They plant a box in their yard of like what they want from a kid, and then a kid shows up, and yeah. it's like something I is not right. I remember this being strange. But yeah, it was one of the higher grossing films mm. in, of that year. It was in the top 50, I believe. But um, yeah, that was it for um, movies that I haven't seen that I wanted to see. And <laughs> now we're moving into Guilty Pleasures where I had a whole mess 6, of... 6,000 movies. Yeah, I had a whole mess of not good movies or <laughs> what I thought are not good movies. You already talked about 21 Jump Street. That... That's not in this list of good movie, not good movies, but that was on, on my guilty pleasures list. I think people like that movie a lot more than you give it credit. Yeah, I, I really do. I I think I think I probably have that opinion of it is because every time I talk about it with my mom, she's always like, "That's not the show. I hate that." You know, like she she. That's oh. probably why it's probably just her opinion seeping on to, in, into me. Um. All right, let's get into the bad movies. The Expendables two. You'd like that? Yes. Really? I love those okay. movies. All right. I mean, I can understand the draw. I get it. Well, I was in a Blow some shit up, bro. I was in a bar one time where they were playing random movies like on this giant screen and they had that movie playing and it was just nonstop explosions and guys' heads coming off. Yeah. And I'm like, I love this it. is pretty great. Yeah. Like for bar banter, you're just watching something get, you know. <laughs> it's a one and done. It's it's it's. I call them one and done HBO movies. It's on HBO. I watch it once, and I never have to watch it again. You know, it feels like one of those. The, the way that that feels is like those late eighties hyper action flicks yep. where it's just boom, everything's boom, over the top, baby. <laughs> um. Oh, so the Expendables two, the Dictator, which is a Sasha Baron Cohen uh, movie. Yes, that's my boy. It's an Adam yeah. Sandler movie. Oh, yep. Spring Breakers, which was... I haven't seen Spring Breakers, but I'm interested just because of the character that uh, James, Franco. James Franco plays. I'm convinced that this is the movie that put him on the map because he had been in a lot of movies before then, but like, I feel like he got so much buzz off of that character that people... Just he looked at pimp, him, right? yeah, yeah, pre an alien <laughs> pimp, really. Like, I mean, he's not really an alien, but he's like just out of this world in that yeah. movie. Um, another one, guilty pleasure of mine, is the movie called The Iceman, which is a Michael Shannon movie. It's a, James Franco's in this movie as well. It's a stacked cast. Winona Ryder's in it. The Iceman was Richard Klinklinski, was a uh, hitman for hire for the mob for years, and he was one of the more famous killers in mafia history. He uh, killed a lot of people. Michael Shannon plays the Iceman, and he's really good in the movie. And my last guilty pleasure, this is an awesome movie, and I don't care what anybody says. I urge anyone to see it. The Bay. 
It is a Barry Levinson movie about contaminated water destroying a Maryland town. So this water supply uh, gets contaminated in Maryland, and you know people are drinking the water and they're swimming in the water. Oh wow! Um, and it just. Takes it's not over based this. off of true events, right? No, <laughs> no, it's not. But I gotta it, stop it's, drinking my water now. <laughs> no, it is a found footage kind of film. Huh. So the way it is, it, it's just it's so eerie. It's so like I, you, I don't know if you'll like it as much as me, but if you watch it, I can't imagine you won't be like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to. I'll watch it. I, I, I love that movie. I, well, I got excited. I along with the six hundred other movies that I have on my list. Oh that I yeah. Need to watch. I know that's the problem. It's like I just don't have enough time to watch all these movies. But I have seen so many movies. I like know. doing this makes me realize how much I've actually seen, and then how much more you want to see. <sighs> Can you guys just start sending me movies for free? The world in Hollywood, please. Thank you. <laughs> it's gonna happen eventually. You know that's what happens when you get a the screeners. Yeah, you exactly. Start you get watching the screeners, movies and you're like, I got. What am I gonna do with all these movies? All right, so do you have any guilty pleasures from this year? I do. See, you said that you really wanted to see Premium Rush and that it was a big movie. I felt like it wasn't an amazing movie. I felt like it was a just a fun movie, and that by liking it, it's kind of like, really? <laughs> I mean, it, it's I about like, a bike. Yeah, you know? like, it's a bike messenger. It's a. It's got um, Michael Shannon in yeah. it too, and yeah, uh, Cloud Atlas. I don't know if you've seen that. No. Cloud? Tom Hanks movie. Yes. So this movie, I don't know how any, like, going into it, it just depends. Uh, it's like six stories that are going on simultaneously through different versions of the world. And they all are, like, interacting with each other, which is strange. Like, it's mul- multiple universes and different times, and it's, it's very odd. Um, but there's some really great comedy in it. There's some really great uh, drama sections. There's some really great sci-fi elements to it. Hmm. It's intriguing, but I wouldn't say that it's a fantastic movie. I think it's one of those that had a great concept. I think the book that it's based on was probably much, much longer and dense compared to... Your imagination's what, is always right, going to be more powerful, to, too. To what the film is. And I, I think that watching the film m- might intrigue somebody to go and read the book because of the themes that they present there but as as it is i don't think it's that great of a movie but it's interesting that's what i was gonna say i'm surprised that you picked that because i know that's like one of those movies that's like historically panned uh there are brief moments in it that are like okay i'll keep watching and then mm-hmm. you're like uh oh okay i'll keep watching and then you're like eh. <laughs> All right. um contraband mark Wahlberg, and ben foster <laughs> have you seen that no i haven't so uh, Mark Wahlberg is a uh, former drug smuggler that has to go back into it one more time. Damn. And so he goes to uh, Mexico and he, he's on a they're on this ship, this cargo ship. And uh, he goes down and while he's doing that, Ben Foster is kind of like his friend, business partner-ish kind of shady dude. Um Rips him off. Does some stuff that's not too great um, that involves Mark Wahlberg's family. Um, and, yeah, it, nice. it goes from there. Yeah. Not nice. Yeah, yeah. Ben Foster, I like him. He played a, tremendor, a tremendous Lance Armstrong in a movie once. Ben Foster, for me, will always be the crazy dude from uh, Alpha Dog. Yeah. 
because that phone call that was when a great movie. he is telling off Emil Hirsch, I I can't get that out of my mind for for Ben Foster. I I think of that every time I see him in a movie. It's just like because he said the line is something along the lines of "You better pray that the cops find you before I do." And I'm just like the delivery of that line gives me chills. It's so great. Um, God bless America. Bobcat Goldthwait wrote and directed this movie, and it is about modern-day America, well, at the time, uh, and how the culture is just like, you know, everybody wants to go viral, and it's like the big thing then was American Idol, but people would go on American Idol that couldn't sing, and then we would just parade them around and make fun of them. And he was kind of sick of the world the way that it was, the main character is, and so he's like, you remember that show, My Sweet Super Sweet 16? Mm-hmm. They were basically making fun of that show where this girl was like upset that she got the wrong color Porsche or something, whatever. <laughs> he goes and he finds this girl and he kills her. Oh, God. And then it just spirals from there. So he's like on his last leg of like, I'm just going to take everyone out. And it's it's a very dark comedy, but it's it's got some stuff to think about as far as cultural <laughs> cultural stuff. Um, that sounds and then, funny. We talked about how I don't like, but I like musicals. Rock of Ages. Have you seen that? <laughs> no, but I know Tom Cruise is in it. <laughs> Tom Cruise. Uh, it's a bunch of people. I was Julianne re- Huff. Uh, I was reminded of the movie doing the research, and I was like, oh, man, I remember wanting to see that. Um, it's got Russell Brand. There's a song done with Russell Brand and Alec Baldwin that ends up being kind of like a a lover's song together duet. It's hilarious. If anything, just look up that song. Is do they play actual like yeah. rock? Okay, yeah. yeah, it's all rock music. I mean, it's I think it's based off of there's a what play Rock of Ages that tours Broadway. It's I mean, if you like rock music and you want to see um, celebrities who can't sing all too well sing them, then yeah, it's fun. <laughs> can't sing all too well sing them. Oh God, yeah. I re- I was reminded of that movie when I was doing the research for this. I was like, oh, I remember wanting to see that when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a guilty pleasure. Any more guilty pleasures? That's it. Is that your That's last all one? I got. All right. Trends from the year. Any trends? You want to start this one? I said it was a year full of comedies. Like, I had a really hard time picking down a list of just, you know, five. I, there was just too many to mention. Trends from the year. Um... First and foremost, why were there two Lincoln movies? You had Lincoln and you had Zombie Lincoln. <laughs> um, Clearly, Zombie Lincoln was the better one. <laughs> eight, eight, the real trend from the year was eight out of the top ten grossing movies were part of a franchise. Avengers, Dark Knight Rises, Hunger Games, Skyfall, Hobbit, Twilight, The Amazing Spider-Man, Madagascar 3. How many animated movies were in that top 20? Because I feel like we... Oh, and mentioned the top 20, a there was ton a of animated movies, which makes I mean this we're going to see this as we go forward that as the years progress and the technology for making animated films gets better, uh, you're going to see a ton of animated movies. So like compared to a movie in the set, uh, uh, like in the 70s or 80s when we do an episode for them, we may only have a couple of animated movies to choose from. There were six animated movies in the top 20. 
but that's not including Ted, which you know obviously uses well, a lot of animation in that movie. I but mean, they probably wouldn't call it. An, no, mean, it's not an animated movie. But there's six movies outside of that in the top twenty. That's a great point. Yeah, but uh, you know, eight of the top ten movies, the top grossing movies of the year, were uh, part of a franchise. Even Ted, which was in that group, uh, it's not in the eight. That became a two. You know, Ted got a two. It became a part of a franchise. It, the first one wasn't, but uh, Ted and Brave, the only two movies in the top ten that were not a part of a franchise. So I think this 2012 season uh, was kind of like the beginning of the rise of the franchise because now you see that, like, everything is a franchise now. So I know we talked about this a little bit, but, you know, Kim being the uh, the horror movie expert, but there were a lot of horror movies that came out this year that were... Um, particularly good and ended up being like franchise films as well um uh cabin in the woods uh it was a movie that turned the horror genre of the like the typical cabin in the woods horror movie on its head have you seen it yeah isn't that the one um with chris hemsworth yes yeah so that kind of turned horror movies on its head it's a very different horror movie it's still hardcore horror yeah but it, wow. it's yeah, the very different. That's surprising that I've seen that and it came out this year. Um, Sinister was another one. Uh, the guy with the red face. No, I don't know. It doesn't. That was another else. one that turned. I'm uh, the wrong guy to talk about. Yeah. With E. T. scared me. You know, v- VHS uh, is an anthology found footage type film. There's multiple of those, right? and yeah, there's several of those. They're very odd. They're very disturbing. I would say that they're more like psychological disturbing than they are like straight horror mm, i'd probably like that then um the collection which was the sequel to the collector uh it's got josh stewart uh who was also the lead henchman to bane in dark knight rises hmm. so he had you know two two films that year. that year um the collector which is the first one in the collection there's another third one that's actually coming out soon um but the collection is the sequel um the collector uh, was the first one, which uh, that one, fantastic movie. Collection was good, but the first one in the series is great. He uh, basically cases houses by doing security so that he knows the security protocols to get into the house and then breaks into the houses and steals shit. Well, when he goes into this one house, there's this guy, some villain, the collector, they don't know who he is and whatever. He basically kidnaps these families and sets traps like all over the house. So if they try to get out, they, you know, end up falling into these traps and stuff. And he falls into that moral conundrum of like, I was here to steal stuff, but do I save these people or do I just roll out? Yeah. And huh. it's, it's a pretty interesting concept. Um, the Woman in Black, first movie for Daniel Radcliffe outside of Harry Potter. <laughs> that was the first movie that he followed up and people are hit or miss with it. I think it has a like a medium rating for IMDb. That's crazy. I mean, it don't matter. I mean, not that it doesn't matter, but um I saw it specifically because I wanted to see him outside of a Harry Potter movie. I oh, wanted to see what he would do. I don't know how he is in that movie, but he's an incredible actor. Right. He's been in so many good movies. I can tell you he was getting his feet wet outside of Harry Potter when he got that. Role. I'm sure yeah, I mean, yeah, it probably makes sense. Yeah. Um yeah, that's all I have. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Final thoughts on the year. God damn it, I love the Avengers movie. 
that's it. No. <laughs> um, uh, great year for acting. So many amazing performances. Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman in The Master, Daniel Day-Lewis in Lincoln, Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper in Silver Lining, literally everyone in Django, Denzel in Flight. I could go on and on. It's just an uh, incredible year for acting. What I said to you uh, when you picked these years and I finally sat down to look at them, I said, this whole thing we got going on here it's, it, when we're looking at these movies it's like trying to f- pick your favorite child <laughs> it just you're, you're like if i had to put my life on the line for one of these movies which would it be i'm like ah you're gonna have to kill me because i don't know like oh <laughs> uh, and so that uh any final thoughts or is that uh i think that that's it? it man this is a, a a phenomenal year that i did not realize was as good as it was yeah, really. I think I said it in the beginning of the episode. I mean, I had this one circled, but I kind of just had it circled because of like Django and the Avengers. And I was like, I just want to talk about those movies. And then I was like, oh, wow. Oh, The Master. I forgot The Master came out that year because I didn't see that movie in 2012. I I liked Joaquin Phoenix, but I, I wasn't I hadn't caught the acting bug by that point. Right. You know, So I wasn't like obsessed with him by that. I did the same thing with Daniel Day-Lewis and Lincoln. So it was one of those movies like, oh, I didn't know that came out that year. I didn't know that came out that year. So it was you know, one of those fun years. It was a lot of fun to... And uh, it's funny because as we're bouncing around doing these different years, because we aren't going chronologically, because no. what would be the fun in that? It's so fun to like sit down, do the research, figure out the movies that came out in that year. And now I feel like when I'm talking to people and they bring up movies and stuff, I'm like more knowledgeable now about the context of these films and when they came out than I ever was. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up because we did the 1999 episode. And I feel like after that, uh, we did that episode, I watched like two movies that had those that came out in 1999. And I just like, I feel like I look at these movies differently now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't turn us into snobs. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. We will see you next time. <laughs>